Hi there. Welcome to Volition. Volition is a series of interviews with intellectuals, artists, and entrepreneurs aimed at learning about their ideas, their passions, and their motivations. This is the first episode, Conversation with Ben Sell. Ben is an incredibly accomplished product journalist. He previously was a co-founder of Cotton and is now the product lead for Hydrogen at Shopify. In the episode, we talk about his views on semiotics, how teams can create a sense of shared meaning, and the importance of setting proper intentions. I previously recorded a couple of conversations that I had hoped to turn into podcasts, though they didn't come together at the time. This is going to be the first one that I planned for and recorded in this way. I've tried to keep the editing to a bare minimum, focusing on removing filler words and dead air, but especially for my questions at the beginning of the episode, this meant that quite a bit had to go. Trust, though, that everything of substance is still there. Hopefully, as I get better at putting these together and can speak more fluidly, I can eventually remove the editing altogether. For now, I hope that you enjoy this conversation with Ben Sal. I did want to say off the bat that I really admire a lot of the work that you've done that I've been able to see from afar. I am a cotton diehard. I discovered the brand four or five years ago. My entire wardrobe is a combination of cotton, a little bit of Lululemon, and that's like basically it. And so I'm wow. really impressed by that brand. Well, and I'm, I'm really excited about this conversation. To start so an interesting topic for me, which is you have this personal website where you have a little bit of a description of your background and you know, what you've done. And you start off by saying that you studied semiotics in uh, university. And I-, I had to think that semiotics, that was not a random decision to put that word in there. And I, wanted, I was interested in like, how would you describe what semiotics is? Because I think you know, that can have a lot of different definitions. And then why did you decide to study that? I probably have to look it up in a dictionary, but the semiotics is really all about the study of symbols and, and signs. And I think you're right, it wasn't a random word. The official major was communication studies with a minor in, in math. And, and then I ended up doing cross-registering to a different to University of Waterloo and doing fine arts there too. I think throughout my career and now being in product management, it was kind of hard to find what's the thing. You know, growing up, everybody had these like really professional things. You're a doctor, you're a lawyer, you're a plumber, you're electric. Here's the thing that you do. And I never felt like I matched into anything um, super well. Like now I call myself a product generalist because I still don't even really know what to, to call myself. But one of the things that I, I think I have been working to build the skill of and am intrigued by is the idea of lateral thinking and being able to learn things from a bunch of different groups and then see some different loose connections or make analogies. I make a lot of analogies to video games, for example, but that was really what I got and, and honed with my education as well was really looking at how do we actually connect ideas together and how do we create mental models around things so that we can not have to be experts in an area to have the confidence to dive into it, but we can feel comfortable exploring unknown paths by drawing on our past experiences in a bunch of different areas. So yeah, no one's actually ever asked me that before. I think I've always prided myself on being a pretty curious person. And I think that's 
that sort of goes hand in hand with that. And, and I really, a lot of my classmates all went on to marketing or a lot of different things that communications typically goes into TV and broadcasting and a bunch of stuff. I didn't really want to go into that. I didn't really know what I wanted to go into, but there were some different key professors that I felt like, oh yeah, the way that you think is like just something exciting about that. And I want to keep pulling on that thread. And so there's a major that I went into school because people were going into school. Like I didn't have that much intention, honestly. And I'm privileged enough to be able to say that I got to be able to do that without a huge amount of direction, leaving school. And since then, I think the value of that education and study has actually just grown over time. And I more and more look back to, oh yeah, this is similar to how Vannevar Bush did this thing on whatever. So these very different topics, but that, that was certainly one of the things I think was like, hey, we all use words. We use them in a very different way. Um, and we all have meaning and intent. And how can I help connect ideas from different people? And how can I bring those ideas to different projects where they might not be so obviously pulled on? So, so I thought you were going to say something completely different. So I think you worked for Bruce Mao, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, or a bit. And name this piece. So I thought that where you were going to go with this was something to do with the symbolism of brands and the symbolism of these companies. But it, it's really interesting that it's about this kind of connection of ideas, because if, I, if I'm understanding correctly, it's like by understanding how ideas transfer through words, you can get at what's the underlying meaning that can connect across various ideas in, in a lateral way by, by reformulating them. Is that fair? Yeah, yeah. I think to bring it to the Bruce Mao context and, and branding and my experience in branding, at the end of the day, we have to work as a network to get anything done. And in order to do that, you have to be able to communicate with people and not have broken telephone happen. And in order to do that, you have to create really simple to distill messages and ideas that are also exciting and enable people to rally around. And that also then extends into being a founder and really anything. But I think um, as it really is branding, it becomes very literal where you are literally creating a symbol or a logo and you're viewing that with a story and you're trying to pare it down with a purpose, a mission statement, a brand slogan. And you have to make that, you know, you, Somebody is seeing that thing. They're interpreting what that means for them. They're telling that to their friend. Their friend is telling it to another friend. You're not even there to help provide the nuance. And so I think, and then you have to, there's this concept that Simon Sinek uh, talks about a lot, but it, it's in many different forms has been talked about by many different people, which is start with why. And I think really to create something really cohesive and holistic, you want to start with a core purpose that you can tie everything back to. And sometimes that's not that clear and you don't have to nail it right away. I think even if you just have the directionality and the feeling, that's enough. But Pond, like we had a thing that we never really knew how to articulate that well. And now it feels all clear. But back then and for the first really until just fairly recently, didn't really know how to tell the story in a way that we felt was clear. We ended up working with a team somewhat recently, who helped us really distill cotton down to this one word, which was lasting. And it really helped unify everything that we did. It was like, it's about lasting impact. It's about lasting design. It's about these lasting products, lasting quality, lasting ways of life was the, the slogan that, that came out of that. 
And so what does lasting ways of life mean? And how do we run everything, everything we do through that filter? Um, and I think you then taking it back to the brand, the imagery and the ideas. Egypt is a really history or historical culture and nation and just goes back to the earliest depictions. They, we have the hieroglyphics, we have these symbols, which bring back full circle to semiotics. So I think that was a really powerful realization and has helped to, even if it, even if the change externally was only a couple of percent, just internally, I felt like nailing that really helped with the clarity, but it was so hard. It's always easier to do it for someone else. Like when I was as, as at an agency, then to do it for yourself. But yeah, that's really cool. So if you think about that kind of storytelling journey, where it took you years with cotton to get to that point where you could distill it into a word and a phrase, where are you, do you think on that storytelling journey with hydrogen? Just maybe you had a sense of you know, how you're thinking about that and the journey of what you're working on there compared to where you've been. Yeah, I think hydrogen. Um, so one thing that's interesting is I think it's always easier to do this for things that have a very clear job to be done that you can really describe. With fashion, it's so, it felt so hard. Now it feels so easy. But when we were trying to get to it, it was, I think also Cotton was our baby. We And we just did it. We started because it was fun. Like we didn't start because there was this obvious gap in the, like there was a bit of a gap in the market, but it was more of a tell backwards. It wasn't as much, oh, look at there's X amount of TAM to go attack. And so I think when something's really your baby, it's really hard to do, as I said, and it's always easier as an outsider to go in. And a, with hydrogen, one thing is there's an amazing team already that I got to join. And the second was that there was, um, it was a real pain point I had experienced from building the website for cotton and doing this headless architecture and all sort of thing. And... Then I got to just collaborate with the product marketing leads and really help dial it in. And for us, I think that the things that were resounding and okay, why did we do this in the first place? Like you could already build headless websites in other ways. Why did we do this? Well, because we felt like for building headless websites for Shopify, there wasn't really a great way to do it. There were great frameworks. There's a lot of great different tools, but for an end-to-end -end experience, it didn't, only Shopify can tell, can do that. And you see it with companies like Apple or uh, the different things. When you have that end-to-end -end knowledge of what the full stack's going to be, you can unlock a bunch of different interesting things. And that for us, man, how do we enable developers to really, every developer should only be doing like should only be in flow state every day should be like every developer is a 10 X developer. Every developer is just having a lot of fun, but not doing the stuff that they don't want to do. There's that this term Amazon uses called undifferentiated heavy lifting that I really like. It's all the stuff that we want to get rid of. There's this term from founder base camp called conceptual compression. I don't know if he came out the term, but I read it from him that I also really liked. You don't have to know everything about how something works in order to allow somebody to go and accomplish that. So. I think those are two of the angles that we're trying to do is create this really great developer experience that in turn feels super integrated with the admin. So merchants have a really great experience using it and can do so from their admin without having to know code. And then the net result of that is, is enabling these incredible shopping experiences because the developers were able to really um, dive deep on the UX and fine tune everything and, and have really great performance and do things with personalization that creates more relevant experiences that ultimately drives conversions and improves merchant businesses. I think that was really the starting point for us was about 
making the best tool for this job. And it's also, I think I'm getting off track now, but we have this great ecosystem at Shopify with all these amazing apps and services and partners. And in the headless context, I think there wasn't a great playing field for them to all come together on. And so that's one of the things that I'm really excited about now that Dave on my team is is leading the initiative on it is how do we really create this incredible extensibility platform for everyone to really easily build on top of and how do we create it in a way where the easy way to build is also the right way to build and headless while it unlocks all these cool new things that you can do it also is a bit dangerous and you can do things the wrong way you can create non-performance sites you can create security problems you can have things crash i think those are all the things that they all stem from that first idea of all right, what's the end game that we're staying towards? And it really starts with developers and creating incredible developer experience. Less, less crystallized than lasting. Um, but I think um, it's uh, sort of working backwards from why are people doing this in the first place? And then what are the bottlenecks to get them to that end state? Very cool. I'm going to try and link this together, but talking <laughs> about developer experience and, and also, I guess, talking about Basecamp. I know at one point you were using ShapeUp as part of your product management framework when you were at yeah. Cotton. I read that book. I love it. I think Ryan Singh is one of the most interesting people with his referencing to Christopher Alexander. Is that something that you have continued with in your career? Is it something that you brought it all to hydrogen? Why or kind of why not? And what do you think, what do you think that framework gets right? And is there anything you think that framework is, is missing? Um, so I think one thing that was interesting and I think part of that original semiotics question is there's this other book called Everything is Deeply Intertwingled. And I generally see from the point on language, like the same words can mean vastly different things and different words can often mean the same thing. And the same is true for frameworks. There's a million different frameworks. There's a million different theories. There's a million different concepts that when you boil them all down, a lot of them are saying the same thing in different words. And they're all valid. At Shopify, there's not a huge amount of imposed process on things. We do have some like high-level principles to organize around and, and, and some checkpoints. And then it's on the different teams. My team is exceptionally strong. There's really senior people. And they don't really, they, they don't really need or want a, a ton of process to follow. That's one of the things I think ShapeUp does really well is that it is pretty high level. And it's, I think I borrow some concepts in there. We don't really take it explicitly. We do follow a six week cycle thing, but that's, that's not really related to ShapeUp. It's um, just a way to keep a big company organized and, and aligned. But we, I reference a lot of the concepts from there. And I think one of the things with any process is you don't want it to do it. You want to understand like, what's the value coming out of it? And then you get to that value by whichever means is helpful. The, the nice thing about frameworks is they allow you to align upon and have a shared language for how to do something in a certain way. And if you can have other ways to get aligned, you don't necessarily need the framework, but it, it's a helpful tool that you can draw on why it's needed. But the, to, the tools never solve the problem. You have to, you don't just run things through a spreadsheet and all of a sudden you get the, the right answers come from asking the right questions and from doing the right things and from collaborating. So things that I love from ShapeUp, 
hill charts, I think are just a fantastic idea, like being at the top of the hill and seeing the problem wholly. I really carry that a lot. We have, there's a bunch of different tools that sort of align with that. And the word I use is situational awareness. On my video game analogy list, one of them is I used to like to play this game called Skyrim or any open world exploration game, a role playing game. And all open world games, you have a skill level that you increase and then you see more of the map. Zelda or something the same, whatever people want to take. And so there is a situational awareness is like seeing more of that map. And then your craft is actually just increasing that skill level. And some people have seen more of the maps than others, and they can share that context and bring people along and say, Hey, here's where the boss is or whatever. And some people are really skilled with Shopify specifically, just because I've been in the ecosystem for a decade, I've seen a lot of the map. I don't know how skilled I am, but I can at least recognize what others are really skilled. I thankfully there's a lot around me and I could say, Hey, here's this thing, um, in this part of the map. I also went and chatted with a few folks that also have this. So I know it's not just me and how, how can we go about this and, and solve it? And yeah, I'm not really answering your base camp question, but just on the lateral thinking point, I like to read a bunch of different frameworks. I read that one. I, you know, read about lean startup. I, I read all these sorts of boring business technical books. And then you sort of just throw it all away and you the things that stick with you are the things that are probably important anyway. But just being really clear on the uh, future you're excited for, being really clear on the goals that you want to accomplish, being really clear on what the problems you're trying to solve are and why they're important and who they're for and how you can dig in and, and learn more, being clear on what the requirements of a great solution look like, not necessarily what the solution is, but what must be true in order for that solution to be successful. Those are all things that I really like from that book. And then there's a bunch of different ways that you can go about that and a bunch of different frameworks that are all quite similar. And so I like to not really squabble too much on process. And if, if a team has a good process, then I like to be like, all right, cool. Let me tap into that and, and see, oh, I, I can pick it up quickly because I've read a few other processes that are fairly similar to this. Yeah, uh, that makes sense. I, I love this through line of it's it's not getting at like the deeper language. It's somehow of like, how do we find shared meaning across our various languages? And, and a framework does seem to get in the way of that with like an actual framework. Like ideas in a book, is, it can be helpful, but a framework prevents finding that kind of shared meaning. I think that's actually so true. There's this book called The Secret to Our Success. I haven't actually read it, but I've read the summary about it. And so I'm going to try and fake telling the, the key point about it. But it's really all around the whole secret behind humanity's success is the knowledge we build through generations and the ability to transfer that knowledge from generation to generation. And it's because nobody's going to do it all on their own. It all is through collaboration and coming together to work towards uh, common objectives. And so again, to that semiotics, that's the shared language and how do we both form the same mental models and understand what type of picture we're trying to draw together as quickly as possible and then throw away everything else and now just like that. I love it. I have one question I really wanted to get to. You say in one uh, interview that you had that you hate the term swag. And so I'd love to know why you hate the term swag. It just sounds kind of corny. That's like the main one. The other reason it's called stuff we all get and I, it's just not good. And I, it's also, I don't know, mainly it just sounds funny. That's the main one. And then it's like, it also, it's just this thing that has a such bad connotation. 70% of all promotional merchandise, aka sweat, is thrown out within two weeks. It's a huge contributor to garbage in the world. And as a result, also CO2 emissions. It just, nobody wants it. It's clear why everyone's doing it. It's to put a company logo on a person so that they wear it so you get some advertising. 
And so rarely is it like 70% of the time people turn out within two weeks, like that's worse than fast fashion. Like it's just, so I just really hate the term because I think it's, it's just so unintentional stuff. We all get by definition. It's not for a specific team. It's not for a specific type of person. It's not like crafted with care. It's not, there's not a huge amount of what are the second order effects of the production of this thing. So I just really <laughs> hate that. And I just, it just, um, feels, I don't know, like I just don't like, just doesn't feel cool either. So I, and I don't really have a good one. Merch is cool. That's what I tend to opt for instead. Merch is, is I think the best next word that's closest that people would understand what I mean. And I don't think I've ever come up with another word that, that would be so good. At the end of the day, if swag is the symbol that gets people connected and I don't know, I just think it, Here's a thing with Shopify themes, for example. There's a thing called a Shopify theme. This has nothing to do with Swag, but again, it's not a sort of lateral jump. There's a thing called a theme. It's just a framework for how you build a website. It doesn't mean that your test will look a particular way. You can make a theme look however you want. But whenever I was a Shopify partner and, and building for stores, some, sometimes people will come and they say, I don't want it to look like a theme. I'm like, what's that mean? And they like, what? not want this one particular type of header that has nothing to do with a theme you can make a theme however you want the theme is this really flexible framework for creating a no code way to edit your site and you can do so much awesome stuff and and they make all these crazy decisions based on the fact of does not want to use a theme and then when they talk to the technical people they'd be like okay i guess i shouldn't use a create a theme i should create like this other and sometimes people go headless just for this sake not wanting it to look like a theme and so i think with swag it's a similar thing where it's like you say swag and it just starts to it's the symbiotics thing again. It starts to impose all these other ideas of what that means. And we were talking when I was talking about accessibility too with hydrogen. One of our teammates used the word plugin, and I'm like, if you use the word plugin, it's gonna be a whole. And we might use the term. We might end up using it. But if you use the that word, you have to recognize that it it's got good emotions for some people. It's got really bad emotions for other people. And it's gonna take the whole conversation into a world that. You're like, that's not even the point of why I'm here today. All you're trying to say is, should you or should you not be able to extend this thing in a unified interface? Okay, we need a, net, a shorter word for that. Okay, so let's go with plugin. Now plugins, like, we don't want to use plugins because plugins are doing this. And it's a semi-honest thing. So it's the shared language and how do you get, um, how do you get on the same base? You're, you're all speaking, speaking the same words and understanding what those mean in the same way. And it's just an, I think it, it's just an impossible. There's not a way to do it. I think actually one of the, I'm going on such a tangent here, but the only time I've ever found it going well is it's actually, it's actually like a rare thing that you want to hold on to in certain types of relationships. When you can say the pace of your conversation can be so fast, not because you're saying so many words, but because the words you are saying, like my brothers are twins and the term twin tuition, like they can just say a couple of words and they do a thing with their eyes or something. And they're both, oh yeah, exactly. I mean, like this with my mother-in-law, she says one word, I say another word and I'll like, yeah, exactly. We're totally aligned. That's really what that's about. And I think that's one of the hardest things with teams or companies is, especially in the remote world is the shared language and aligning on things. So I know we're at time, I don't, over this conversation, it's been a, like, I'm not sure how you're going to write a title for it because we un unintentionally had a couple of key themes come up but uh, I'm not sure if you, this is where you intended to go. I'm not sure where I intended to go, but I'm really happy with the ground we covered. I'm really excited to re-listen to it. I thought it was great. Thank you for doing this on a completely 
unproven, no idea who I am. I reach out to you on Twitter. It's like, I really appreciate it. And yeah, this has been absolutely fantastic. Right. On that note, because one of my favorite things, I saw this in somebody's Twitter bio one time and it just changed the way I looked at everything for some reason. I don't know what it was. But I said, my friend Nick's Twitter bio said, shoot or shoot. And I was like, yeah, you know what? And I always just thought, just go for it every time. What do you got to lose? And so when you reached out, you're like, yeah, I to tell, hey, this guy's shooting the shot. I've done it a bunch of times. Sometimes it works out. Sometimes it doesn't. But it always, every time it's worked out, it's ended up being something cool. So I usually just say yes and see where it goes. And I could tell you had a lot of intention and sincerity in, in what you're trying to do. And well, I always wanted to start a podcast too, but I uh, never got around to it. And wish you the best of luck. And it's really awesome that you're doing this. Thank you very much, man. You're welcome. Thanks for that.